Thanks for joining us today on Geezers of Gear. Today's podcast is brought to you by ACT Lighting. ACT is North America's leading distributor and manufacturer of entertainment technology products with award-winning brands, including MA Lighting, Ayrton, Chainmaster, Luxie Bell, AC Power, Robert Juliet, Zach Track, and MDG, as well as cable and interconnect solutions from Rapco Horizon, Proco, and Roadhog for virtually any audio, video, data, or power distribution need. ACT employs amazing team members who are each dedicated to providing exemplary service and support while ensuring the show goes on by maintaining inventory and 24-7, 365 technical expertise in nine locations throughout the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Visit actlighting.com for more information. Well, hello, and thanks for joining me today. It is, uh, I don't know, it's friggin' cold. It's Florida, and it's friggin' cold. It must be winter. I don't know. must be December in Florida. It's. I went out for my normal bike ride today and kind of turned around and decided I was going to go for a walk instead because it was like 43 degrees or something, and I'm just not uh, cut out for that anymore. And I know there's people listening who are going, come on, you're a Canadian, you can handle it, and... I don't know, man, you climatize to Florida pretty quickly and uh, you're a Canadian in Florida, but you're Floridian, I think, and you just don't like the cold anymore. I actually like it. I love this weather, but um, not for a bike ride at 6.30 in the morning or whatever it was. So anyways, hello and thank you for joining me. Thanks for coming along for a ride. Today's going to be a lot of fun. I've uh, worked with and enjoyed watching and paying attention to this designer for a heck of a long time. Uh, Bud Horowitz is just a really good guy, really great designer, worked with some killer artists. I mean, his list, I was looking at it this morning, starting in the 70s with uh, England Dan and John Ford Coley, Devo, Kenny Rogers, Julio Iglesias, Captain and Tennille, Andy Gibb, blah, 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 John Cougar, Styx, Natalie Cole, Stevie Wonderbet, Midler, Suzanne Summers, Lionel Richie, Tracy Chapman. I mean, it's just like a who's who of uh, gigs both as a designer and also as a director on some of them, um, production manager on some of them, master electrician on some of them, sometimes more than one job. But uh, he's just been busy. He's been busy since the 70s, and he's done some really incredible things, and he's a great guy, and I've been wanting to get Bud on for a while. So pretty happy to have him on today. And honestly, I had the best plans of having a great talk today and telling you about all kinds of wonderful things. And honestly, it's just been kind of a shitty week for everybody in our industry, I think, or most people anyways. You know, there's been some really great streaming events and a couple of really great drive-in events. But let's face it, those aren't tours. They're not big shows. They're not Super Bowls. They're not like, they're just not uh, enough to sustain us as an industry. And therefore, you know, it's been another week where I'm getting calls from people who are making that 
horrible decision. They've been in business for 40 years or 50 years, and they're deciding now to close the doors and sell off their inventory and divest while they still can. And uh, that's sad. It's horrible. And I don't want to hear it anymore. So I want us to move on. I want this uh, vaccine to work. I want uh, people to get better. I want coronavirus to fuck off. (laughs) Sorry, pardon my French, but I want it to go away. And, uh, you know, God forbid, finish this presidential election one way or another and get on with life. And hopefully the Congress and the government will act and do something to support small businesses because they've done nothing. I mean, they're just a complete joke, all sides of the fence. I don't care which team you play for, but all sides just suck. I mean, it's just, it's disgusting and I know everyone's tired of it and I am certainly tired of it. So anyways, yeah, it's just not been a really great week. A lot of cool things going on. I'm actually traveling on business next week for a few days. I have a bunch of meetings set up up in the Northeast and I'm digging through my clothes to try and find uh, something to wear, of course. And uh, so, yeah, this week's been a warm up in Florida uh, in, in a sense in that I'm getting a a little dabble of cold here while preparing for a trip up to the Northeast next week. So I'm looking forward to it. Some really productive meetings planned and a lot of good discussions going on with a lot of people. So I'm thinking, you know, as much as we're probably not going to be full on touring until mid next year, I'm thinking there's some positive signs and uh, you know me, I've been super positive, probably over positive since the beginning of this thing. And uh, I'll continue to do that. So Um, The other last thing I want to mention is that I have that COVID gang that I've got with John Featherstone, Wiseman, uh, Ben Saltzman, and Eric Loader. We are planning to get together between now and and Christmas, maybe sometime later this week, maybe next week. But we want to do a year and, you know, good riddance to 2020 uh, podcast. And that should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to hear what those guys are up to. I know Wiseman is leaving to go to Dubai soon for, uh, I forget what they're calling it, Kiss, Kistery? No, not Kistery, Kiss something about 2020. Uh, I forget. But they're, um, uh, Kiss are doing a show in Dubai. Uh, I guess it's a live stream show, but uh, it's supposed to be a pretty big deal, and, and Wiseman's on top of that thing. So he's going over there with his wife, and that should be a really cool trip at the end of the year. And uh, anyway, so I'm going to have a podcast with them in the next several days, and I look forward to doing that, and I hope you'll listen to it. And for now, please enjoy the following podcast with Bennett Bud Horowitz. Welcome, Bud Horowitz. How are you doing, Bud? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing okay. I mean, it, it is still Bud, right? You don't you yes, haven't grown up and started going by Bennett. No, the only the only person that ever called me Bennett on a regular basis was my uh, high school physics calculus teacher. He refused <laughs> to call me Bud. So oh, so this started before the touring business. Oh yeah, yeah. My, was my mom, my mom actually started calling me Buddy when I was little. Uh, they had named me Bennett after my grandfather, who is a Benjamin. Okay. And she, she grew up uh, in a part of Brooklyn where the moms would hang out of the windows and yell at their kids on the stoop. Yeah. And uh, she said, I, I just, I never wanted it to hear anybody yelling for you, hey, Benny. Yeah. So she started <laughs> calling me buddy and it just sort of stuck with me. Oh, my wow. Life. That's cool. 
So you're you're a very odd case in the touring business of someone who didn't pick up their nickname while on the road. Right. That's very yeah. true. I've been called other things on the road, but uh, it's yeah. usually been but, butter buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like, I love finding out from people the, the origin of their nickname mm-hmm. in our industry, you know, mm-hmm. and some of them are pretty funny. And, uh, you know, you know a lot of the, the funny sure. nicknames that are out there and where they came from, but... Uh, but yeah, you're certainly a rare case of someone who, uh, picked up the nickname ahead of time and didn't have to deal with getting assigned one. <laughs> it's funny when you mention that, you know, I've known, I've known Nook for, God, I don't know, at least 30 years, maybe longer. And I never know. I still don't know where he got his nickname from. You know, and I know the story and I can't freaking remember yeah. it. <laughs> I totally know the story and I can't remember it. And yeah, I've, uh, I've known him since his, since his Morpheus days, I think, in the yeah. mid-80s or so. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to get him on. I, I don't know if it's because he's got other allegiances or alliances or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, because he works for PLSN and they have a yeah, podcast. But and mm-hmm. But I, I want to get him on because I just really like Nook. You know, I, he's, I love, a, he's a great he's a great storyteller. Oh, he really is. And and mm-hmm. those, you know, those those I love having on a podcast or on a whatever the weekly Zoom sure. call. You know, I love when he pops in from his basement with a bong. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just classic. Nook. <clears throat> Classic Nook. So how, uh, you know, I, I hate to ask you such a stupid question, but how have you been for the last nine months or 10 months or whatever it is now? You know, I've, I've, I've been okay. Um, my wife and I both work on the road. My wife is a, a wardrobe supervisor and I she has been working that. for a, she's been working for a share for the last three years or so. And oh, her background is, is meatloaf and Jamie Foxx and a, a bunch of other people. Right. Um, and then share, you know, the, her last show I think with share was, March 9th or so. Um, my last show was March 15th with Yanni in Mexico city Yeah. or my last, my last show in the concert business anyway. Right. Uh, we've been okay. I mean, I've, I've actually worked all of nine days, uh, since then. Yeah. Some, cor- some lighting for corporate video stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've been okay. I've been, I've been taking advantage of the time to get a bunch of stuff done at home that I, I never really start because I never know how long I'm going to be home. Yeah. So if I have a project that I think may take, you know, a few days and, in an older house can turn into a, a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah I get I it. Tend, I tend, I always tended not to start it. And I've been getting a lot of that stuff done. I mean, we've been okay. We've been fortunate enough to have saved enough to weather this without right. going hungry. Right. Uh, but it's know, gotta but that, be that, weird as hell getting to know each other. If you guys have both been touring I, I, for. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I think this is probably the longest period we've both been home since gosh, in 20 years anyway. Wow. You know, when we, we met and we've been together since the, the mid eighties. So, wow. Well, yeah. I don't, do you know, Nikki, who, uh, who runs, we make events with us now? Oh, I, Nikki I, do. I, I don't think, I, I don't think I know them, but I, yeah. I know who they are. Yeah. So her and her husband both tour, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and met on tour and, and the whole deal. And she tells me the same thing all the time. It's just like, wow. You know? So I understand, you know, the person who like, you know, like Cosmo or somebody where the wife mm-hmm. is at home and, and the husband's always gone and now sure. he's back for a while. But when they're both mm-hmm. always on the road and they're right. both adjusting to living in a normal life and mm-hmm. going, going to the grocery store and all these sure. things that normal people do, right? Right. Well, we, we say we, we talk about it saying we played, we played tag for the last 15 years, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and a lot of it has been, I'll, I would come home from, you know, somewhere, somewhere weird corner of the world and, uh, come home and the next morning grab my wife to the airport. Yeah. Uh, you know, luckily our, our son is still at home and he's old enough to take care of stuff when we're both gone. 
Oh, that's um, handy. How old you know, is he? And, and he's 28. Oh, okay. And he's he's not in the business? No, he writes, uh, he's a software engineer. Oh, wow, cool. He's been working for a company uh, out of Europe remotely doing uh, uh, website maintenance and, and, and JavaScripting for websites and stuff. I should actually talk to him because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a web guy and, and mm-hmm. my company is a, a web company. And we're actually uh, in the process of starting to screen for a couple of positions on that side of our business. Mm-hmm. But again, it's fully remote. So, sure. um, so yeah. Yeah, he does. The company he's, he's working for, they do, uh, they do website maintenance uh-huh. um, for people. And he'll do stuff like changing stuff on their website using JavaScript and, mm. you know, all, all that kind of stuff. He's, he's quite good at it. Good he's, times. He's stupidly smart. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to be bored to death, though, right? I mean, there's only so much home improvement you can do and cooking shows and. Yeah, I've been I've been doing a lot more riding my bicycle. Yeah, good you know, for you. Trying to trying to get out a little bit. Uh, my wife and I have been occasionally going up and going for hikes and and stuff like that. Good for you. Good for um, you. So, have you gone yeah, up I mean, or down in weight? Uh, right now, I'm down a little bit. Um, good for you. E- even though right now, you know, everything is closed in Southern California, inside right. and outside dining. Uh, I like to cook. Yeah. So unfortunately I like my own cooking a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, so I've, so I've been, I've been cooking a lot more than I have in the, in the past. You know what though? I mean, as long as you're cooking relatively healthy, mm-hmm. yeah. that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And, and, you know, I know people on both sides of this. I mm-hmm. know, I know one guy who put on 75 pounds so far, wow. but most of my friends, especially in the industry who are used to being out on tour and, and, uh, you know, probably in their earlier days lived really mm-hmm. unhealthy lifestyles, mm-hmm. but more recently as we get over, you know, at least over 50, sure. um, I think most of us have started paying attention to, Oh boy, oh, I yeah. better, yeah. I better try and make this thing last a little longer, you know? Well, so. and when, I, when I'm on the road and I'm, and I'm actually touring in the U S and there's, you know, there's three meals a day in catering. Right. And when I'm home, breakfast is, you know, a bowl of cereal or a bowl of yogurt at around 10 or so. Right. And I'm on the road and I, and I walk in for 9am load in and, you know, I'll walk in at eight 30 and, and, Oh, look at all that. Yeah. Bacon, and grab, eggs. grab food, go <laughs> grab food before I go out and, you know, help the guys mark the stage and everything. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so it's I, a little I actually, it's too convenient. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually eat a lot more. Uh, I, I mean, it used to be in my younger days, I would lose weight on the road because I was, pulling cable and climbing trusts and right. You know, all the other, all the other fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's much, much harder to maintain it now, let alone, you know, lose anything. I know. I mean, and the older we get, it's just like, like well, I, I exercise more now than I ever have in my life. Mm-hmm. Literally. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I have uh, one of those fancy bikes where you're following somebody on the screen and oh, stuff. Okay. Sure. And, um, that, but plus I live in South Florida, so, you know, usually the weather's good, so I go out mm-hmm. for long bike rides or sure. long walks or whatever and do weights and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's still like, you know, I, I lose one pound in six months and I'm like, yes, yes. Uh, I, was, I was, before all this started, I was actually getting really good about going to the gym at yeah. least twice a week when I'm home. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, boom, gym's closed. Uh, I can't do anything. Oh, all your there. gyms so are closed too. Yeah. I don't every, even think everything, of that pretty much everything indoors. Gyms have been wow. closed for, you know, since for, for months and months and months. They, they never really opened, did reopen. They opened for about five days and wow. then, and then reclosed. And now Southern California is, you know, is, is doing so poorly in terms of new infections. Yeah. Um, 
they just, as of today, uh, outdoor dining for restaurants is closed as well as indoors. So it's only, it's only takeout and, and delivery. That is so um, crazy. And that's pretty much all of, I think that's pretty much all of Southern California, San Diego, LA, Santa Barbara, huh. uh, Ventura counties. Yeah. Um, Except the so politicians, right? Well, of course. Yeah. yeah. They, can, they can, they can go. They can, well, they can it? have Gavin parties Newsom and went, uh, went out, went out to Napa to, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that was the screw up of the century. That was worse oh, than gosh. the Nancy Pelosi one with the hairdresser. Right, you know? right, right. That was so bad. Let's let's go to one of the fanciest, highest end restaurants in uh, in the country. Well, and that. just rub your yeah. fucking noses in it yeah, completely. Exactly. You know, <laughs> like in you know, we're not just sitting at Chili's or something. You know, right, and right, having a beer right. for my birthday. We're actually yeah, let's yeah, good, and then lying the, about it. Well, I had a small group to, and we ate French. outside. Let's go to the French Laundry where uh, I can't I can't even afford to go have brunch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's so crazy. You know, I mean, it's, it's weird. We have an almost kind of a bizarre guilt here, I guess, in South Florida because or in Florida in general, because it's relatively normal here. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I can go out to a restaurant. Tonight. Sure. I just made reservations for Saturday night to meet up with some mm-hmm. friends from Fort Lauderdale. There's mm-hmm. not really a limit on how many people right. can sit at your right. table. Like I made a reservation for nine people mm-hmm. and, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, I mean, I'm careful. I, I wear right. a mask. I, I don't lick doorknobs. I don't, you know, <laughs> shake hands with strangers and, right. and all of those things. But, um, you know, it, it feels okay. Other than the fact that you really can't earn any money, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, unless right. you happen to be in Amazon or Facebook sure. or something, you know? But, um, you know, it, it's, it's just such a different world. And I forget sometimes, and I talk to sure. friends or family who are in other places, and they're like, yeah, you can eat in a restaurant. You can go to the, like, our gyms are open. Our movie theaters sure. are open. Well, um, when I talk to my friends, like, cause, because Yanni lives in, you know, in West Palm. Yeah, in Palm Beach. And, and a number of, number of people that work for him, more or less on a full-time basis, uh, live in that area. Uh-huh. And I talked to them and they said, Oh yeah, we're going, I, I went and played tennis and I went to the gym and, yeah. uh, we went out, went out to dinner and I had, we had a big group of people over at a friend's house and I went, boy, none of that happens here. Yeah. Well, and I think that skews people's perspective and mood and everything. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, I think if you live in California, you have a whole different, just mood and, and, and sure. just your, uh, your, I don't know. <clears throat> it's it's just very different. You know, I mean, here most people are generally happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't go out unless unless my wife and I are going for a walk somewhere or I'm running to the market. Yeah. You know, or Home Depot. Yeah. Uh really I really haven't gone out at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm in my I'm in my mid sixties. I really don't wanna yeah. catch this thing. Yeah. So yeah. You know, which we, we've tried to be really, really careful. Yeah. Well, and I don't blame you for that. And and you know, that's the right thing to do and and uh you know, God damn, let's just get through to the other end of this yeah, freaking thing uh, already. Well, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully these vaccines will yeah. you know, be, a, be a game changer. Well, mean, it's not going to be immediate, that's for sure. Right. Like we talked about in the, uh, in the sort of pre-discussion here, mm-hmm. uh, you know, looking forward to some of the things that, that Michael and others are going to bring to the table mm-hmm. here this week. Sure. Um, you know, hopefully finally for, for small businesses and for the, our industry, uh, you know, getting mm-hmm. a little bit of relief is going to sure. be very helpful. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, this thing's just not ending fast enough. It needs to go away and we need to get back to living. And, you know, like mm-hmm. your, your wife has to be a little bit worried that the artist that she works for isn't going to tour sure. much longer. Sure. You know? when she's, I mean, seven, she's 75. Yeah. You know, Cher so. can't go on forever. I know she wants to try, but, you know, she can't go on she forever. She's uh, pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, she really is. She's, you know, out there on stage for an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, singing and dancing. Um, yeah. But she looks great, and she'll be the first to tell you that she's had a bunch of work done. Yeah. No, but a yeah, lot but of these people just what? blow me away. You know, like yeah. Steven Tyler, Sammy Hagar. Mm-hmm. You know, a right. lot of these people just, Mick Jagger, you know. Right, sure. They sure. just keep going and going. Mm-hmm. Alice Cooper, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, wow. Like, you keep thinking, it's, yeah. okay, it's mm-hmm. over. But it's never really over, you know. Well, I mean, I think Cher's probably done five farewell tours, so, (laughs) (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. So how did, uh, you know, how did you get started? I I, I really Um, don't know. I know you've worked for so many incredible artists, mm -hmm. and I went through it on the, on the, intro uh you know i just kind of mm-hmm. read through your bio a little bit and it's just like holy christ yeah I, I actually started out um i was always interested in theater uh i acted when i was in high school uh when i started college i was actually pre-med for a couple of years but still did a bunch of theater classes uh when i moved from the east coast to the west coast i changed my major to theater i graduated with a, a theater degree right specializing in uh, lighting and scenic design I was lucky enough to come out of school right into a, a summertime job at the Santa Fe Opera, oh. uh, which is as once I once I got there, found out it's very hard to get a job there. Yeah. Uh, I was lucky enough that somebody I went to school with who was getting their master's was uh, the TD there that summer, and this offered me a job. Um, so I worked with Santa Fe Opera. I came back to Southern California. I worked at uh, the Pageant of the Masters in Laguna Beach. And then got a job at a South Coast Repertory Theater, which is one of the t- now one of the top rep companies in the U.S. So um, let me get this straight, though. You never really actually had a real job. No, I've never wow. had a nine to five job in my life. That is incredible. Good for you. And uh, I went, when I was working uh, at, at the um, South Coast Rep, I heard that a lighting, small lighting company in Los Angeles was looking for people. Uh, I came up, got interviewed, got hired by a Jim Moody at Sundance Lighting. Oh wow! One of the one of the no longer in existence uh, lighting companies, yep. which was probably one of the first to really start touring uh, lighting gear in the U.S. Uh, when I was there, it was pretty much us and C Factor doing the majority of the larger right. acts. Yeah, uh, and I worked for Sundance as a as a head electrician and then as a as a designer for a number of years. Um, Sundance sold all their gear in, I think, 1982. And I've been pretty much uh, independent since then. I was fortunate while I was there to work with Jim Moody and to uh, work with Peter Morse on a couple of tours with both Mac Davis and then Kenny Rogers. Wow. And then I've worked with Peter on a number of things since, a number of Bette Midler tours. Uh, I've worked with Jeff Rabbits on a Styx tour, on a John Mellencamp tour. Mm. And then... Peter started designing Yanni in 97. Uh, I was hired as a lighting director and I've uh, pretty much done all of the Yanni tours since then, aside from one that Roy Bennett designed, I think in 2007 or so. Roy always sneaks in for one, you know? Yeah. They do, well, they decide was, they want something big and flashy and they bring Roy in. <laughs> well, you know, this was, it was uh, w- when I was working with Yanni with Peter, it was all large arena shows and then I think that year, uh, Yanni did a, 
it, it was a, a, a Disney promotion. Mm-hmm. And he did this, he did the show with three vocalists, which he had really ne- featured vocalists, which he had really never done before. And I think from what I understand, Disney was insistent on bringing in Roy to design it. Hmm. Um, so it was Roy. And I think Gary Westcott toured with it. Uh, that, that was the only tour with Yanni that I haven't done since, since 97. Jesus. That's and a good then run. starting in, starting in 2010, we re- I redesigned the show to go from arenas to theaters, uh, one, because he wanted to play, there was more business playing theaters for him than, than arenas. And he wanted to start taking the show um, internationally. And the size of the show with the full orchestra was just not cost effective. Uh, yeah. I had to start doing all over the world. So mm. now we do probably 80% of our shows, I would say, are out of the country. Wow. So we've been we've been pretty much everywhere. And there are some incredible ones. Like, you know, I was looking through mm-hmm. your website and your your uh, mm-hmm. the stuff you sent me. But, you know, some of those shots like in front of the pyramids and mm-hmm. in front of temple and in front of, I mean, sure. really cool stuff. You've been, you've been, uh, you've been around. <laughs> yeah. And, and some of those, I mean, they're all, they all, they all certainly are. Everyone's a very unique challenge. Uh, on the, on the easy days, you know, it's, it's my lighting rig that I send them a, a plot of with different fixtures. Yeah. Uh, and if, and if I'm lucky that if I'm lucky, the DMX numbers they give me are correct. <laughs> and everything actually works when I patch it. Oh, God. Um, but in, in that 10 years that we've been doing the international shows, I think we've only had one train wreck, which was, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, and that was, that was in Istanbul where the promoter hired, you know, a, a low bidder uh, lighting vendor. And we got there, they had been there for two days loading in and just a standard three truss system and, and nothing God. was plugged in and nothing worked. And Oh my God. It was, I think all the, everything they told me was, was incorrect. And, the fixtures they told me they would have, they didn't. And it was something I'd never heard of. And so you ran the entire show with just Turkish follow spot operators, I'm guessing. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, but my, another, one of the issues we have with those shows is sometimes the, they, a lot of times they'll get me an interpreter, right? But the interpreters they get are generally doing business meetings. Oh, right. And so, they have, they have absolutely no understanding of any of the terminology. Yeah. We use a lot of technical terms and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so a, a lot of the time I'm better off just having them go sit down somewhere because <laughs> pretty much anywhere, uh, there's a lot of commonality in, in language. I mean, you know, universe DMX number, uh, you know, channel, all that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of times we can communicate. Um, right. That particular day, uh, I mean, literally, literally nothing was plugged in, nothing worked. Uh, our stage manager at the time was, was an old lighting guy, Chris Loden. And Chris was going around trying to trace out DMX issues and they were, he would replug something and they'd come in behind him and, and unplug it and plug it back where it was. And right. I think by showtime I had some pars working and oh God, maybe, maybe half a dozen out of, out of 40 moving lights Wow, uh, that I had control of. The follow spots were pretty much useless. Um, I had a follow spot pick up Yanni on his entrance and he was basically the size of the stage. Uh, the follow spot was about 40 feet wide and I said, a smaller, smaller. Well, it doesn't go any smaller. Well, yeah, crazy. I know it does, but I can't run up there right now. Yeah, and um, show you where the iris is. Yeah, it, it yeah. was just it was just one thing after another, and I was I was so glad when that show was over. Yeah, uh, I saw Yanni after the show, and he just looked at me and just said, "I'm not even going to say anything." <laughs> well, what and can you say? Lights, it wasn't your key fault. Lights weren't working, and yeah, yeah, but you know, when it, when I when I do those tours, um, until recently, I was I didn't have anybody with me. 
So I was, I'm the only lighting guy out there. So I spent half my time uh, trying to, you know, figure out why they're having DMX problems and why this doesn't work and why that doesn't work. You know, and it's, it's all I can do. Maybe my job becomes more about time management. Do you have a production else. manager though, or are you production yes. manager as well? No, no, oh, okay. no, we do, we do. We definitely have a production manager. Okay. In fact, uh, for a long time, it was, it was Ronda Roba for a while. Yeah. Uh, and then Ernesto Cordy, um, did it for quite a while. And Ernesto was a lighting guy, so he gets it all. Right. And then Ernesto left to go do, uh, to go do Pitbull. Okay. So right. our, our current, our current production manager is very good at certain things. He's not a lighting person and he's not a, a technical person at all. Right. So I've taken on a lot more of the a lot more of the advanced work, uh, right. at least in terms of staging and, and all that stuff. So as let well. me let me ask you: What is it a conscious decision for Yanni to play these weird places? Like, is, oh yeah, he so he's looking for a weird, a crazy backdrop kind. He of. loves. I mean, you know, when when he did the the first show, he became known for was uh, the show we did at the Acropolis. Yeah, um, and that was a dream of his to do that show. Wow. Um, and he basically put that together, uh, and fronted a lot of the money to do that show. It became one of the better known shows on PBS and one of the most requested shows. Mm. Uh, and then when he did the, the Taj Mahal and Forbidden City, those were also places he'd always wanted to do. Um, and I I think the Taj when he did the Taj Mahal, I, I think it was, he was the first artist ever to perform in front of it. So uh, how does that work though? Does Yanni just like <clears throat> his manager gets in touch with, you know, a promoter and says, we want to play at the Taj Mahal. I, I would imagine. So, I mean, that was the Taj Mahal was before me. Um, oh, okay. Gern, Gern Kaniski was the, uh, was his lighting designer at the time. Right. And, uh, and Lee Rose lit it for camera. Mm. Uh, and, and his, and he had Michael Weiss working on that as well as uh, Doug Pope and a few other people along from the, from the Neil Diamond camp. Yeah. Um, and the the pyramids, I'm pretty sure it was his his management that went to promoters in in Cairo uh, to do that show. Uh, it was partially um, partially funded and promoted by the Egyptian Tourism Board, so the government was involved. Right. Uh, so it is, was. Uh, are these like a series of one offs, basically? So like, it's not really a tour. Like you don't go from the pyramids to the Taj Mahal to some other incredible. Uh, we, when he did, when he did the show at the pyramids, I think we did that show and then traveled to, uh, to Dubai and then did a show in Dubai. So the the first time we did international shows, we did, I think it was seven weeks, seven or eight weeks on the road. And we Mm -hmm. went from the Gulf to Europe, to China, to Thailand. Uh, we were all over the place and they basically are a series of one-offs. You but, know, it, it, so from your standpoint, though, it's not really like a tour. Like you're not on a bus. You're not not at all. You're traveling by plane. You're probably yep. staying in the same hotels the band is. Yep. Oh, that's amazing. Good for you. Yeah, every that's every a, every cool day gig. is. Uh, it can be. You yeah. know, unfortunately, some of some of those we would, you know, we would uh, on a good on a good one we would fly in and have the next day for load in, yeah. and then I would be able to program. You know, that that evening or afternoon. Yeah. Uh, but we have we've had a lot of them where we would do a show in one country, fly the next day, and have a show the next day. Oh shit! Um, you know, so we would be loading in the next morning for a show that night. If it's indoors, that's okay because so I can sort of, you know, do stuff during the day. Yeah. Uh, when they're outdoor shows, very often we would fly in somewhere, and I would, you know, check into my room and basically go to the venue. 
right and and program that night um well and it sounds like you're really flexible with your with your plot or with your equipment list or whatever you have to be and that makes it so <laughs> challenging yeah. yeah uh we do we do i do a lot a lot a lot of advanced work I, I usually know if i'm not lied to um what i'm getting into uh if i have the time i will previs to some extent every show that we do right uh so i spend a lot of time beforehand uh, if for nothing else, just to get whatever fixtures they're providing patched into the show and yeah. try to fix any any major gobo and color and focus issues. And, and, and I'm guessing you carry your own consoles. I do carry consoles. Yeah. They're, they're pretty geriatric at this time. But, uh, yeah. M.A.? Uh, actually, they're old hogs. They're hog oh. threes. Oh, wow. Um, so, I, yeah, me and Brian Hartley, right? Yeah, you two. <laughs> um, you probably trading parts by others. FedEx or something, right? Uh, actually, we own, with Yanni, we basically have two full sets of gear. Okay. Uh, we have two, two sets, front of house audio, front of house lighting, all the monitor rig, band equipment, wardrobe. And one set lives here in Los Angeles. One set lives in, uh, in Holland, mm. in a warehouse in Rotterdam. Uh, and we basically uh, flip-flop you know, flip flop those depending on where we're going. Yeah. So basically it's too, basically it's, it's the amount of gear that'll fit in a 40 foot seat container. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think how often is he doing shows? Like what's the schedule? What was 2019 like? Uh, 2019 was, was some scattered shows. We didn't, we did, uh, I think we did shows and show. We did a bunch of shows in China. We did a, some shows in Abu Dhabi. Um, a few other, a few other places. Oh, we did the shows at the show in Indonesia, uh, Tashkent, Uzbekistan. Wow. Um, so it was scattered. Uh, I mean, usually every couple of years we'll do a U.S. tour where we'll do, you know, two or three months of theaters in the U.S., which is a real tour. I mean, it's, yeah. it's buses and trucks and, yeah. um, you know, it's my same, my same gear every day, which is a luxury. Yeah. Uh, and you, you just fill all those dates in with other work, with like corporate stuff? Yeah, and- I, I, I try to. It's most, mostly with corporate. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately or fortunately, I'm not sure which, on Yanni, I don't have anybody else who knows the show that I can sub in for myself. Right. Uh, and it's a show that is, that is with, with almost no vocals, it's a, it's a show where the cueing is you know, entirely music-based. Right. And Yanni's music can be, his songs are long and they can be pretty complex. Uh, they'll change time signatures in the middle of songs. Um, so it's, it's and, I'm, and not being a musician, I've had to just listen, listen, listen. Yeah, uh, to learn everything. So it's not something where I can, you know, just send somebody a tape of the show and a and the show file and say go for it. Right. Uh, and it's and it's unfortunately cost me others other other tours. It's cost right. me other you know other corporate. Yeah, you events. have to one hundred percent commit to Yanni. Exactly. Yeah. And I and I lost I lost another tour that I was doing uh, several years ago because I, I had actually started that tour. And then Yanni's guys called me three days after the tour started saying, we just got the okay to do the first Western shows in Saudi Arabia oh, uh, wow. ever. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I basically the other tour I was doing, I had somebody who had covered that show for me. I booked them. I got them a flight out and everything and told Brian, then told my other artist guys about it. And the artist just flipped out and said, no, if oh, you leave, no. you can't come back. That's terrible. And you hate doing it was that a tour to I had, too, right? Uh, it was a tour that I had done every Christmas time for oh, 10 no. years. That sucks. Uh, it, was, it was a really, really fun show. Why isn't Yanni uh, time-coded and, yet, though? Like, isn't it 
primarily it, electronic? It, I mean, it's obviously an orchestra. It, it, too, there but. is there is time code being generated um, from Pro Tools. It would be extremely difficult to do with a different rig every day. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, uh, I have to spend so much time. Foc- you know, t- focusing and tweaking my programming for me to try to have to adjust for different fixtures, yeah, yeah. time code wise and different timing every day. So much of that is manual. Yeah. You know, when, when to take that cue. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess it could be, um, but I also never have never really had the time. I think one U S tour when DPS was doing the equipment, I actually was able to put the rig up in rehearsal, oh. but I've never actually ever been able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes uh, when, sense. when, you know, and, and I think when we, when I first started doing his theater show in 2010, I programmed the show entirely uh, on a previous system. Wow. And Jesus. the first time I got to see the show or see anything with, with lights at the other end of the snake was uh, the day before our first show in Santiago, Chile. Um, so I never really got to, you know, I mean, the first show I did, I think was the first time I saw what it looked like. Yeah. Uh, in reality, yeah, everything is just so like, uh, not set. It seems, you know, cause like mm-hmm. one day you might be on a stage in a theater and the next day yep. you're on some deck in front of a, uh, we're out at, it, we're in the, it, you know, the, the old road, the old Roman amphitheater in Carthage. Right. Asia. Right. Exactly. Um, which we've done. I mean, it's, you know, so, and, and another, the next day we're in a brand new opera house in Oman. Yeah. It's uh, crazy. That's so yeah, great. it's, it's never really, it's never really settled aside from when we do the U S dates. Yeah. Um, and, so I, and again, it's really, it's really about how much time, how much real information I can get beforehand. Yeah. And we're, we're pretty anal about that. We have to be. Yeah. That makes sense. Going backwards a bit though, you worked with Devo like right in the beginning, right? Right. Sort I was of. there. I was there. I was their very first LD. Really? Yep. What the hell was that like? That had to be just full on mayhem. It was, uh, they had just moved to Los Angeles from, um, from Akron, Ohio, yeah, which is where they all, all are from. And their manager, their manager was actually a uh, lookout management, Elliot Roberts, who managed Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and a bunch of other people. Uh, I got the gig because uh, they had called Sundance Lighting. Mm-hmm. And I had been at Sundance then for about six months, I guess. And they offered, they said, oh, we got this new band coming in. No one's ever heard of them. And it was, uh, I mean, for me, coming from a theatrical background, uh, it was great because their show is so theatrical. Right. But the first tour I did with them was in clubs, uh, the bottom line in New York, uh, places like that. And they were, there was just so much energy. And, and to watch the lead guitar player take a solo and go running out on, you know, down, down the, on top of the tables by the stage, uh, <laughs> They were great. I mean, they yeah. were just, it was, it was so much fun. And then we did a, what were those things they wore on their head though? Was it like flower pots or what were the, those? That was, that was right after me. Oh, I, I okay. They, that they was, hadn't I, done that I, yet. I did them in 70, 78 and part of 79. Yeah. And they, it's when they started wearing the, the yellow plastic radiation suits Yeah, and they would rip those off and they were wearing uh, like skateboard uh, pads and stuff Jesus. underneath. Uh, we used to start the show. We used to cover the show with Black Bisqueen. Oh my god! And Mark Mothersbaugh, the singer and who wrote most of their stuff, would crawl underneath the Bisqueen and rip a hole in it in the middle of the stage and pop out as his persona, uh, Boogie Boy. <laughs> and they still did probably one of the best versions of Satisfaction 
yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah. They did a great version of uh, Secret Agent Man. Yeah, I remember it. Uh, they were they were really fun. Yeah. I mean, it was. And then we did, I think I did Europe with them and uh, Japan. Japan was the first time we had done theaters as opposed to clubs. Right. And they were big in Japan. It was great. And they were probably they were probably better known outside of the U.S. at that time than, than in the U.S., yeah, but like I said, they were just kind of weird as hell, you know. It was they just were like, very. It's all the it's all the rubber fumes, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the other look at the other people that came out of that, you know, out of Akron and stuff. Joe Walsh, uh, Chrissy Hine from the Pretenders, um, they're all uh, all out of that same area. Yeah, uh, but they were they were odd. I mean, they were they were really most of them were really nice guys. Uh, they were very into the whole, you know, visual aspect of the show. Uh, before the days of, you know, video panels and, and all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was really fun. Yeah. No, they were, uh, they were really interesting. They were, uh, I don't know. I, I remember, like, I was a real, uh, sorry, I was trying to connect my phone to the mixing console here by Bluetooth so I could play that Devo song in the background. But um, Were we not men? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was... Uh, it was Satisfaction, the one that came up first, I think. I, I think that I remember hearing that Mick Jagger said that was his favorite cover version of Satisfaction of anybody. Right. I just remember the first time I heard it, and I was a rocker. Like, I had hair mm-hmm. halfway down right. my back, and I, I was uh-huh. in, in pretty heavy bands. And mm-hmm. this came out, and I'm like, what the hell are they doing? Just strange as hell. And then I and then I got to do a Saturday Night Live with them, oh which was God. I think the second or third year of Saturday Night Live. So it was the original cast, wow. uh, except for Chevy Chase. So it was Belushi and Aykroyd and Jane Curtin and oh, Gilda cool. Radner and Garrett Morris, um, and that was really fun. I remember I remember sitting in the booth there, uh, there the, the longtime Saturday Night uh, LD was a guy named Phil Himes who was amazing. Yeah, um, and I remember. You know, and they, they actually listened to me quite a bit about color and, and direction and everything. And it was just a trip being there. I was all of, uh, you know, 25 years old, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, 24 or something like that. Crazy. So it was, that, was real, that was really fun. Well, and then and according, guess, according to your bio, your next gig was Captain and Tennille. So there's a bit of a swing. Yeah, there is. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was also through Sundance. That had been a longtime Jim Moody account. Yeah. Uh, and I, I worked with them from, gosh, 79 probably all the way through the the early 90s yeah uh, on and off uh yeah it was dead was definitely and and that was my first introduction to doing showroom shows yeah it was back back when vegas tahoe reno were you know before circus Soleil took over uh yeah. and it was all it was all celebrity acts before a lot of production shows right so i i think the first show i did with them was uh harris tahoe and then i did all of their you know uh, Atlantic City, Vegas, Reno, Tahoe for many yeah. years. So it was like um, a really kind of, I guess it was probably a lot like their their television thing was. Yeah. Very cabaret, very, mm-hmm. yeah, very variety. Was, I mean, Tony, Tony's a great singer. Uh, Daryl was a bit of an oddball. Yeah. Uh, but he had a really, really, very, very, very smart, uh, really dry sense of humor. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it was, it was fun. You know, we'd, it, it, was, it was the days where you'd go to Vegas for, for two weeks uh, and do a cocktail show and a dinner show. And really once the show was loaded in and programmed, it was, you know, you'd go in and work a couple of hours a day, basically, yeah. uh, pushing a go button and calling follow spots. Yeah. Rough gig. 
yeah, that was uh, those the hard, the easy ones. The hardest part is just listening to those songs over and over. Well, there again. is that too. I mean, yeah. you know, you can only listen to Muskrat Love so many yeah, times. Yeah, no kidding. Oh my uh, god. But they were, but they were really nice people. Yeah. Uh, and we would do a lot of stuff on, you know, and on on during the day we play softball games, you no know, bowling tournaments, oh, all really? sorts of stuff like that. Didn't uh, didn't Daryl die this past year or two years he ago? Did, he did die last yeah, year. Yeah, just yeah. recently he passed away, I remember. And Tony, Tony's pretty much retired. She lives in uh, Arizona, and she's she's involved with some local musical theater companies, but she's she hasn't done, I don't think she's done anything professional in, in quite a while. Right. Uh, she did do a lot of a lot of stuff as as just Tony Tennille performing with symphonies oh, yeah. and doing a lot of standards and stuff. Hmm. Interesting. And then what? really. Re- Really sweet woman. What did I do after that? Yeah, I think. Uh, well, you're... well, I did that. I did that all through the all through the on and off through the eighties, along with a lot of corporate shows, and then probably the next. Um, I did Kenny Rogers in eighty one uh, with Peter Morris. That yeah. was that was a pretty much a year long tour. We would go out and do six shows a week, six one nighters a week for three weeks at a time, um, which was very special. It was it was long enough ago that. Uh, uh, our lighting, the, the heads of our lighting crew and myself and when Ed Kish, before Ed Kish became a, a big deal rigger. Uh, yeah. um, and we would go out and we would do you know, six shows a week. And I was, uh, I was a head electrician, uh, opera, lighting director, climbed trust to focus, pulled four out, mm. uh, the whole bit. Uh, and the Peter, shows that, Peter relationship came through Sundance, right? It did. I, I right. started, I, I met Peter doing uh, a Mac Davis tour. Right in '79, I think, and then Peter gave Sundance the Kenny Rogers con- uh, contract in '81. Uh, prior to that, it had always been a uh, it had always been a bandit a bandit account. Right. So that's that's where I first met Michael Strickland, I think. Huh. That long ago, briefly. I mean, I think he came to the show in Knoxville or something. If I remember. Interesting. That's wild. And after after Kenny, I mean, through the eighties, I did a lot of a lot of corporate stuff, uh, both through Sundance and then independently. And then I did a John Mellencamp with uh, with Rabbits in eighty uh, seven, I believe that was. Yeah. So you never really had trouble finding work. Not until this year. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> well, to our I mean, industry in twenty twenty. It's, it's feast or famine. I'm either I'm either so busy that I'm turning down jobs, uh, or it's so slow that, that I. You know, and I, I've never been one to go, okay, well, let's slow for a while. You know, I'll, I'll sit around and do this and do that. I'm always a little bit anxious about, you know, where, where the next work is coming from. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard not to be. Well, when you, you, know, and as I, when you freelance, as I said, when you, you have to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's true, but you know, I, I, there's a little bit of a disadvantage for, you know, for doing all of, all of the shows for one artist, especially when they're not busy. And then all of a sudden, they get busy at the same time as you have other stuff booked. Yeah. Um, and well, it, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to expand sword, a lot. Right. It's very much a double edged yeah. sword. There's a lot of job security in that. I know if he's going to do a show, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, like I said, in the end of 2017, where I had started another tour, a tour that I really enjoyed doing. Um, and I basically lost that account. Yeah. They had to run off and do, you know, shows in Saudi Arabia, which yeah. was, which was great and fun, but, you know, 
Yeah, it's challenging. I mean, you're right because, you know, Yanni could just say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take 2021 off and maybe I'll do a couple shows in 22. And Mm -hmm. so you go find other work for 2021. And then all of a sudden he goes, yeah, I want to go play the pyramids again in July. Right. You know, and you're out on tour with whoever, right? Sure. And and one of the odd things about, about Yanni right now is that he really, he doesn't have a manager. Yeah. And he hasn't for quite a while. So there's nobody... I mean, luckily we get enough, we get some work, uh, sometimes very much and sometimes not that much, but he doesn't really have anybody out there looking for, you know, looking for work, uh, for him, unfortunately. Interesting. Huh. So Maybe that's one of the things I should have How old about. is he? Is he like in his seventies or something? He's got to be. He is, uh, he'll be, he was 66 this year. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah. He and I, and, uh, the two other guys who have been with him the longest are all, all right around the same age. Yeah. Uh, wow. So he's got, so. he's got a number of years left. It's, it's sort of an ageless music and you don't have to, it's not like Steven Tyler where you have to, you have to look like a rock star and you have to be able right. to hit the notes and that kind and he, of thing. And right? he doesn't, and he doesn't sing. Right. Exactly. So, you know, the fact that he doesn't sing means that you can do a lot of these, you know, sort of back to back, you know, of, of do a show, travel, do a show, travel, do a show, travel. Yeah. Um, you just get so, a massage in between each one or whatever, and you're yeah, fine, right? Right. right. Yeah. I mean, we do have we do have one vocalist in the show now, but I think she she is on two songs, yeah, and the rest of it is all is all just music, huh? Yeah, that's cool. So uh, you did Stevie Wonder too, right? I did. I worked with Stevie for I think four or five years. Um, I always I wondered that, what it's good, what it's got to be like being an LD for a blind guy. Well, the first show I did with Stevie, <clears throat> I get a call one day from uh, um, George Packer, who's been the longtime tour manager for Sticks now. And I had known George from doing Sticks. And he called me and he said, Yeah, Stevie's guy, uh, he had somebody else doing his lighting. They were going somewhere where the guy's wife didn't want him to go, a part of the world that was a little bit dodgy. And uh, the guy backed out like three days before the tour started. And I got a call and I couldn't do that one, but they called me for the next one, which was a show for the Sultan of Brunei's nephew. The Sultan of Brunei at the time was, I think, the richest man in the world. Yeah. Uh, Brunei is a little tiny dot of a country, you know, that's very rich in natural gas and, yeah. and some oil. And uh, I, I would, the production manager at the time was uh, Peter Edmonds out of London. Uh, we went to Brunei to do the show. And the show was, uh, it was on Prince Jeffrey's compound, the Sultan's brother. The the amount of the display of wealth was just beyond ostentatious. Um, but we did the show, uh, they had air freighted a Verilite system from London to do the show. Um, along with the guy who used to program all of Patrick Woodruff shows. Um, and we did the show and I had met Stevie right before the show for just a few minutes I got a set list that was about two hours long. Uh, and it was basically two hours of songs, you know, yeah. um, the show can take a left turn at any time, but it's still songs, you know? So at the end of the show, I, I went backstage and I, I saw Stevie and I went up to him and said, Steve, I just want to let you know uh, how much I enjoyed your show. And he, he sort of turned his head toward me and said, this man lights look great. And I went up, he goes, gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, but I mean, that's a, that's an organization, uh, incredible band. Uh, and again, it's, it's two hours of songs, you know, I, I think in the, 
the number of years I worked for him, I did all of two shows in the U.S. Wow. Uh, we did a lot of shows in Japan, Australia, uh, all over Europe, um, some other some other odd places. I mean, doing shows with him in Japan, you can have you know fifteen thousand people in an arena all singing along with every song. That's wild. It's a uh, it's it's pretty uh, pretty amazing being out in the house yeah. uh, during his shows. I didn't realize um, he was big in Japan. Oh, huge! Yeah, I, I, I mean. He could probably sell sell out arena night arenas night after night there, uh, and they know every 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 lyric of every song. It's weird the stuff they pick, you know. Mm-hmm. Like Mr. Big, I I always wondered why the hell is Mr. Big? Mm-hmm. Cheap Trick was hugely popular there, but right, sure. But Mr. Sure. Big, I mean, they never really got that big here, but they still do gigs in Japan. Mm-hmm. You know, With jazz artists too. They're they're, yeah. they're really big on you know jazz artists can go to Japan and sell out shows. We're here; they're lucky if they can fill a club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. Wow. So that was uh, that was like the better part of what eight or nine years, ten years that you worked with Stevie. Uh, I did Stevie. It was just four or five, I think. So I and mean, it was, what is it though? Like, what's it like working for a blind guy? You know, being a lighting guy for a blind guy who's telling you what they want. Like he's not working, collaborating, is he? No, I get, I go, I would get very, very little input, uh, from them aside from the stuff that's specific to the music. Yeah. In in terms of solos and all that. And that, and that information I would get from, uh, from his musical director, Nate Watts, who's a bass player. Okay. Uh, but I didn't really get any, any input, uh, aesthetically. What about uh, feedback? Those shows. Did they tell you if they liked it or hated it? Or uh, I think I think his manager at the time occasionally would come back after the show and goes, "Oh, look great." Yeah, but I didn't get. I never. I never really got any specific feedback about stuff they liked or didn't like. Yeah, I mean, I can't decide uh, if them. that would be really easy or more difficult. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not I getting I any feedback. Get, yeah, I mean, Yanni stuff at this point, I I rarely get feedback from him. Yeah. Uh, aside from. Uh, you know, aside from a solo that I might have, you know, a solo they added that I might have been late picking up, yeah, or something. Is that um, is that how you prefer it, or would you prefer? Do you prefer artists who are very involved? You know, it depends on the artist, yeah. uh, and it depends how you know how that involvement takes place, yeah, and it's structured. Um, when I was working for Devo, uh, the bass player Jerry, who pretty much dealt with a lot of the business. And, and it was pretty much a spokesman for the band in that respect. He could be a little bit hard edged in terms of, in terms of criticism, yeah. uh, et cetera, and stuff they might've liked or not liked. Uh, but, but there was more, I always heard about, I always heard the negative criticism more than the positive, uh, which can be a little disheartening at times. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, but he always figured no, you know, with, with Yanni, it's no news is good news. Yeah. You know, yeah. if I don't hear anything, it means everything's fine. Uh, I will occasionally get something from uh, his production supervisor, who's been with him for a long time. Uh, you know about they they didn't love, they didn't like the colors I used on this song or something, but it's never it's never too much, and and I'm pretty much left to my own in terms of uh, the aesthetic end. Yeah. Um, but I spend a lot of time listening to songs and and really learning the music. So yeah, uh, I think with Yanni, it's more about timing and changes than it is, you know, specific colors or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he'll notice if, if, you know, when a song changes tempos or changes time signatures or changes feeling, if, if there's not a change in the lighting, he'll, he'll notice something like that. Right. 
So speaking of timing, has he given you any indication on when they want to book a show or like because they do these obscure <clears throat> international shows, mm-hmm. would they be doing something before Live Nation or are well, they Well, we have, when, when the last show we did was March 15th in Mexico City. We were supposed to go from there to do another show in Mexico and then a show in Costa Rica, followed by a show in Bogota, Colombia. Okay. Uh, they've set tentative dates for the Costa Rica show and the Bogota show in mid-February. Oh, okay. Uh, so they've rebooked them for those dates. Whether or not those are going to happen, at this point, I don't know. I think it's like February 20th, uh, 23rd or something. Yeah. Uh, part of it depends on what's going on in the U.S. Part of it depends on if other countries will let us into the country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, that's so got to be stressful for you. You can't plan anything. <laughs> I can't plan anything. Yeah, Not, but I haven't. I haven't been able to really plan anything for years. You know, I, I, both my wife and I trying to plan a vacation is, you know, is more along the lines of, oh, look, we got a couple of weeks off. Let's drive up to, uh, you know, Big Sur or Carmel or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can't really plan vacations six months in advance because we can't really afford to turn down work. Do you ever join each other on tour? Um. Not my wife has come out when I've done corporate shows. Yeah. Uh, I think I was in like San Diego for a week at, at the hotel de Coronado. Oh yeah. I did a, uh, a corporate show. So she came down for, you know, when she was such a cool hotel. I love that. Hotel. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. I, I stayed there, there for a Super Bowl one year. Oh, okay. I was there for a week doing a, a corporate event, you know, which is one of these, you know, go in and, and, and turn stage lighting on and off. Right. Uh, which was great. I mean, you know, they're a little bit, a little bit boring. Um, but the money on doing the corporate events is, is so, is so much better than, than touring. Uh, yeah. Even so, yeah, you know, it's hard to, hard to pass those up. And, and again, they're, they're with friends and with really nice people. Yeah. And the company it's, it's about the company as much as anything else, much like touring is. Yeah. You know, I mean, no, touring's right. about, especially with someone like Yanni now with, after so many years, it's, it's like family being out there. Well, and I'm sure, like, it sounds like you always came at it from the artistic side, not from, or the theatrical side, not mm-hmm. from, like, I know a lot of people who went out on tour because it was a party, you know, because, right. hey, that looks like a cool lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, most of those people are either dead or they've burned out right. and gone on to something <laughs> else, you know, because uh-huh. you can only live hard for so long. Uh, you well, know, and, as it's, you know. and it's and, and it's changed a lot in the last, yeah. you know, 20 odd years. It's, it's really... You know, everybody out there now, you know, if you're out there as a, you know, a partier and staying up late and coming into work hungover, yeah. you're not going to last long, yeah, it ain't gonna you know, work. The, the, especially, especially with what the technology is now. Yeah. Um, you know, everything's so high tech and you've really got to be on your game every day. Well, just liability insurance and stuff too. Like you can't sure. have people falling out of rigs and stuff because they're stoned right. or because they didn't sleep sure. the night before or whatever. Right. You, you know, or, or not, or not doing their job. I yeah. mean, it's just that there's no time. Yeah. You know, as shows, shows get bigger and bigger, you yeah. know, when you've got, when you've got 12 or 15 trucks going into arenas doing one nighters, yeah. yeah. who is, you know, you don't have time for somebody who's not doing their job and is not on top of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Totally um, true. That makes a I lot mean, of you know, sense. I mean, Yanni's show going into theaters is still, you know, three to four trucks. Right. And it's not large by today's standards, but it's still, you know, we have a, a full orchestra rehearsal every day. Yeah. You know, Interesting. so it's, it's still, it's still, you know, you gotta be on your game and stuff's got to happen when it needs to happen. What about your wife? Has Cher said that 
yes, she's going to go back out or she's not going to go back out or there's just no indication. My understanding is that she has said she can't wait to get back out there and work again. Right. Uh, You know, they, they, they were doing a mix of a residency at Mm. the park theater in Las Vegas and, and live shows or shows and arenas. And they would, they would do three weeks in Vegas, have a week off and then go out and do, you know, six weeks of tour. And I'm sorry, what did you, um, what did you say she does? Wardrobe was it? Uh, she's a wardrobe supervisor. Right, right, okay, yeah. So Cher has her own wardrobe, makeup, you know, hair person. Uh, but my wife and one other uh, wardrobe person deal with the band and the dancers and, okay, you know, all, and all of that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of dancers and a lot of changes and yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Uh, so when, I mean, I think she's got, I think they're up to 12 or 15 wardrobe cases. Jesus. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, so she, she has said she wants to work. Uh, Cher has, I haven't seen any information about, you know, booking shows. I mean, yeah. you know, trying to book shows in arenas is impossible. Yeah, uh, I know. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, the whole liability issue is a big deal. Uh, how do you put, you know, 10 or 12 people on a tour bus? Yeah. You know, right now, um, you well, know, let alone the fact that the touring's all based on going from state to state to state and every state's different. Yeah. I mean, look at, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the, in our pre-call, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're locked down right now and, yep. and you're in California and you're locked down. Like you can't mm-hmm. eat at a restaurant. You can't go to a movie. You can't right. go to the I gym. Go to the gym. Nothing. Yeah. You can't do much. And here right. I am in Florida and, you know, I can go bowling in the afternoon, go to a movie at night, followed sure. by a nice late dinner mm-hmm. and indoors. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and you know, I mean, there's not that many things we can't do here. Like football, the Dolphins play to, I think it's 8,000 people. Wow. seven or 8,000 people. Mm-hmm. And right. they've been approved for 55,000. And, wow. you know, when they go to that, I don't know. But, or if they go to that this year, they may not. But, uh, but and yeah, I mean, Southern, Cali- Southern California has got a huge surge in cases right now. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm one of these guys and I don't want to get into any politics or anything, but I've been a rip the bandaid off guy for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know you're in your mid sixties, I'm in my mid fifties and I'm not saying I don't want to be careful or I'm not going to wear a mask or anything, but I'm saying we got to open the planet up and then mm-hmm. beg people to be smart, you know, right. and I know there's a lot of stupid people out there. So just yep. don't put yourself in that situation. If you know, right. you're going to, you know, if you know that going to a bar means you're going to be standing shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of doorknob licking knuckleheads, mm-hmm. then don't go to don't a bar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you know, I you mean, can go to your favorite restaurant and they're seating every second table outdoors. Mm-hmm. I think you're okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you to an extent. I think that there's a lot of people in this country that are, very selfish. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and don't, and aren't taking any precautions about caring for other people. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a real balancing act. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that I agree with you and that a total shutdown of everything like there is here. Um, I, I don't know how much difference that's really going to make. Yeah. Well, I'm going to uh, make a very it. non-medical statement, which is that whatever the number was at the very beginning of this epidemic, pandemic, you know, virus, whatever you want to call it. But at the very beginning of this, whatever the number of infections and the number of deaths was, I believe is going to happen no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. Over Mm -hmm. whatever period of time that you allow it. And 
So, you know, that's why I say like rip the bandaid off, protect, mm-hmm. protect those who need to be protected, protect them heavily. And you know, the rest of us, if you were going to get sick, you are going to get sick and mm-hmm. you're going to get over it in a few days or a week or two weeks. And some, or you're not, and some people will die, but yep. chances are many of those people would have died anyways. Right. And so, you mm-hmm. know, I know it sounds insensitive or stupid or whatever, but I just like this, all it's doing is prolonging the inevitable, you know, we're prolonging and certainly we're saving some people in doing so, but those same people should be saved regardless of what you do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so, and, and unfortunately, we're we're never going to know. We're yeah. never going to know what you know what the right answer is. That has been the problem with this, right? You know, is everybody sure. says they're right, and and you sure. try to listen to people, and you listen to the smartest people, but then you right. realize everybody's got a friggin' agenda. Right. I mean, it's you know, it's like, well, you know, has this medication been helping you? What would happen if you stop? Well, I don't know what would happen if I stop because. I yeah. have to stop. I don't um, really want to find out. So yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's you know it's, we're never going to know yeah. what was the right answer. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know. Hopefully, this vac- this vaccines are going to help. Yeah, uh, it's not going. You know, I think I read an article this morning that the vaccine is going to be more effective if we're at a stage where there are fewer infections. I mean, yeah, you know, we're seeing ten ten thousand new cases in LA County yesterday. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. Yeah. So, so I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what the real answer is and, and who's right. Yeah. Nor do I, but the problem is I don't want everybody to lose their business while we're finding out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people who, who I, I believe are losing their business. There's yeah. people, even people I know who have committed suicide mm-hmm. and, um, there's probably more who will. And right. that's, and, and that's the of, sad think, part in all of this is, you know, I, I think of all the mid, the mid range companies, uh, a lot of whom I do business with that aren't, you know, the upstaging or the bandit. Yeah. Uh, who have, have a warehouse full of gear that's just been sitting there. And they've got uh, the bank calling now. Yeah. You know? I mean, I was, I do, I do a lot of business with, with a, a, a small to medium sized lighting vendor out of Camarillo, California. Yeah. And I was up there. I mean, they loaned me a console for like three months for me to play with at home. And I went up there to bring it back. And every bit of gear that they own is, is sitting in the, in the shop. shop. Yeah. And they're they're for down from maybe you know twelve people working there full time to two. Yeah, I happen. To, I happen no, to know which company you're talking about. Yeah, and, I'm sure you do. You yeah. Know, and, and they normally would have at least two or three tours on the road, which for them is great. Uh, and no, I saw I saw something on Facebook this morning with a whole list of of equipment for sale out of Nashville. Yeah, and it had to be a vendor because it's you know we have two hundred and ten of these for sale. Yeah, no, I know well, which vendor that is too. I'm, I'm, I'm in sure you do, and, and, well. and I and I do, I do as well. I wasn't going to yeah. mention the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, you see people again, and they're not a they're not that small a vendor. Yeah, I mean, they do they do some major tours. Well, and they're also and, very well managed, very, mm-hmm, right. you know, very strong finances sure, and everything sure. else. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's the other thing. Like there was a myth that the companies that are going to go under are the ones that were, they were so poorly managed anyways, and they had shitty finances, mm-hmm. so they deserve to go bankrupt. Guess what? You know, 99% <laughs> of the companies I speak to who are in that uh-huh. position are not like that. They're not right. poorly managed. They've been right. in business sure. 40 years, sure. some of these guys, you know. Sure. It's it's terrible. It, no matter what, it is a shitty situation, yep. and it isn't getting better in the next couple of months. That's for right. sure. Uh, I mean, I mean, luckily in, in LA, a lot of the uh, 
at least some some of the TV industry is starting to come back. I know there. I have a couple of friends that that work on game shows. Yeah, a lot, and I know that you know the same people. Yeah, of course. Um, and they're busy all the time, mm-hmm. and they're shooting you know game show after game show because the networks wanted to get it out, get it out there for the advertising dollars, obviously. Yeah. Uh, well, content is king right now. So everybody's trying to get movies done and well, sure. you know, cause yeah. everyone's sitting but, at home looking for content and there isn't any. Right. Right. Know? But when I talk to, uh, I have a friend who's a moving light programmer for feature films. Um, and he said, you know, the stuff that I do for, you know, Warner brothers, Sony, et cetera, they're going ahead and, and shooting all the stuff that they had stopped production on. Yeah. Uh, to finish it up because they can afford, what it costs them to do the COVID protections. Right. But the independent studios, the smaller studios, uh, they can't afford that extra money right. to have, you know, to do all of the, the testing that and have, I'm sorry. Is that Benoit? No, uh, uh, it's actually a guy named, um, cause I had a similar uh, conversation with him. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, almost the same conversation. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, it is uh, what it is. You know, that's the industry, right? It, now. It's a guy, it's a guy named Scott Barnes who does a lot yeah, of, I know uh, Scott. Yeah. Okay, Scott does a lot of you know all the, all the Marvel, all the Marvel films and all that stuff. Right. Uh, he's he's an unbelievable programmer. He's right. just phenomenal. Right. Um, and he said, you know, I'm I'm busy now because a lot of the stuff that we were shooting prior to the work stoppage, they want to get finished. They want right. to get it in the can. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff being shot for places, people like Amazon and Netflix, because they need the content. Yeah. Well, but here's the thing, like, you know, there's also a lot of these streaming shows that are starting to happen now and none of these things sustain the industry, you know, so they're going to sustain little pockets of lighting companies, Mm -hmm. little Mm -hmm. pockets of, of independent contractors. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, touring LDs are sitting at home, you know, looking at unemployment running out in the next couple of weeks. Yep. And you know, it's just a shitty situation all Mm -hmm. around. And that's the part, like, I don't know. It just blows me away that, that politicians are making decisions that are impacting our industry so negatively. And uh, you know, they, they, they get to go to work every day. They collect a hundred percent of their paycheck every day. Guess what? And they're, and they're, and there are those of us like myself and a lot of other people I know who the majority of our work is touring yeah. as an employee. Uh, so do we qualify for unemployment? Yes, but we don't qualify for PPP loans Yeah, because we don't have enough, you know, we don't have, we don't have enough schedule C income. Right. Uh, you know, so. Well, shame on you. Yeah. I know. Well, you know, what happens is since, since talk to the IRS about them eliminating employee business expenses and me having to write that off on my schedule C, oh, um, you know, so Jesus. my net goes down and the banks look at my, for PPP and they go, you didn't make enough money. Yeah. So let me ask, I, I, I got these six questions I like to ask sure. uh, everyone who comes on, or at least a lot of people who come on, especially people who've been in the industry, you know, at the level you have and as long mm-hmm. as you have. So first, what's the best piece of advice you've ever given or received? Um, work as much as you can take, take jobs that you're not comfortable with. That's, that's great advice. That's great. You know, advice. there's, there's times, you know, well, I'm not really, I'm not really good at that. Well, guess what? You're only going to get good at it by doing it. Yeah. Well, and so many people have answered that question in the same way, but slightly mm-hmm. differently. Like basically say yes, you know, has been right. a very common answer. Say yes sure. and then figure it out. 
Like even yeah. if you've never done it before in your life, just say mm-hmm. yes and go figure it out. Take as many. Well, the same, yeah, to, with, certainly without completely misrepresenting yourself. Of uh, course, you of know. course, yeah. So worst thing you can do is work into walk into a situation where you really don't know how to do it, and they're right. depending on you to figure it out. And yeah, you know, t- it becomes a time crunch. Yeah. So you and I have talked about some some really cool gigs and stuff, like you know, being in front of the pyramids or whatever. What I I think by the way, this industry, one of the coolest things about it is those moments, right? Sure. sure. And so what's your biggest career pinch me moment? Uh, probably the pyramid show. Yeah. Um, and, and it was, you know, I think it was about two or three in the morning. Uh, everything was very, very late in getting there and getting, and getting up and working. Uh, my lighting vendor was actually okay. Uh, I had new gear and the gear was the, my, his guys were okay, but things like we, we had to bring fixtures in to light the pyramids from, uh, from Germany. So oh. there's very, very little light on them. Uh, and those didn't arrive until very, very late. They sat in Egyptian customs for at least a week Jesus. and they want, they will, they wanted a bond for the full value of the fixtures before they'd release them. And it was 24, seven K searchlights. So the value was what a couple of million dollars or, yeah. you know, I don't know, but so everything was very late. We're so I was sitting there at about three in the morning, um, feeling really bad about, you know, I don't have this working. I don't have that working. And then I stopped for a minute and looked up at the pyramids and the Sphinx and went, how can I complain about this? Yeah. No shit. Huh? So it was, it was very much a, you know, a pinch me moment, yeah. you know, and, and then, of course, you know, I would, I would stand at the lighting board and see the pyramids and the Sphinx and turn around, and there was uh, a pizza hut about 50 yards behind me uh, <laughs> in the town of Giza, which that is, is so bizarre. Sort of, that was, but that was definitely, I mean, just, you know, being, being there was, was pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. No, that's, that's really cool. And I, I've seen, you sent me a bunch of pictures, thank you, uh-huh. but I saw some of those pictures, some of those shots, like the big beam shots mm-hmm. uh, with the pyramids in the background. Sure. It's just incredible, which I'll probably, that was, that was, I'll that's probably, my favorite shot. I'll probably put that one on Facebook when I, uh-huh. when I push this uh, podcast uh-huh. out, because I love that mm-hmm. picture. That's such mm-hmm. a cool picture. It's uh, pretty amazing. It, t- it took a while to get to that point, but uh, yeah. What is your most valued piece of of gear to carry that you just have to have, or you got to rent it, or you, you always have to have it on your show. Well, on the, on the, on the, the international shows, it's my console. Yeah. There's no doubt only because if I didn't have some means of continuity uh, from show to show, I'd be, I'd, I'd be completely screwed. It's just, uh, we had one show where I didn't have my console in a, a wedding we went to do in Chennai, India, where it was a seven day wedding event, very, very wealthy families. They flew, we flew out there to do one show and our, for some reason, our 40 foot sea container of gear did not make it out of Singapore. Oh no. Uh, and I didn't find out until I got, until I got to Chennai that there's no console. Uh, and there was no, there were no hogs anywhere available in India. So oh, boy. I basically had to program the show from scratch uh, on an, on an MA which is, I mean, I can, I can, I can fake my way through it on that, but to do, you know, to program an over two hour show that has over 2000 cues in it uh, overnight, and you basically quickly figure out what are the important changes. Um, so you didn't you know, get a ton go, of sleep. I didn't get any sleep. <laughs> no. Oh boy. This, but this, this was a seven day wedding and they basically, uh, 
It was pretty amazing. I think the overall cost of the wedding was a hundred, close to a hundred million dollars. Holy shit! It was said they. I mean, the night after our performance, they had rented an entire hotel in Chennai, and it was the R.A. Raman uh, Orchestra performing for their private guests. And Good God! There were there were I think eighty private jets that flew in for the wedding, and it was just it was craziness. And we were there because the bride's mother was a Yanni fan. So if if you're that if you're the the idiot who's marrying that gore, that girl, you know, you don't want to screw up, right? Well, his family was extremely wealthy also. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. One of the families, I think, owned most of the newspapers in India and some other stuff. The other family owned all the water distribution in the country. And oh, Jesus. It, it was just, I mean... It was unbelievable, you know, the amount of the amount of dollars that were spent. Well, on the if wedding. you're hiring Yanni to to well, that play I mean, your the wedding in way, India, the, are. we did the show in a basically very large Quonset hut structure that was actually a um, something that the Indian Air Force used as a temporary hangar structure. Yeah, and it was the only structure they could find where the the ceiling or the the roof of it was uh, heavy enough structure wise to fly lighting and sound, et cetera. And we were in the back half of that structure. The front half, the entryway was entirely constructed of fresh flowers, the walls and the ceiling. Jesus. Uh, It was like a rose, but it was like being inside a rose, rose parade float. Uh, And they had a hundred and something people working on site 24 hours a day. And this was one of, one of seven nights of of the wedding party. So so did Yanni Uh, have to learn any special music or anything like play the latest Indian hits? He will, he will usually try to learn a few, at least a few phrases in in the language of whatever the country we're playing in. Right. And he knows enough Spanish and and French and some other languages to, to do at least a couple of sentences. Right. Um, but they were, uh, but it was one of those events, like like a corporate show, sometimes where it started out with maybe a hundred people watching the show, and they slowly filtered out, and we're going and schmoozing in the other room, and you know, by the end of the show, there's a lot of empty chairs, right? Uh, which I've seen in corporate events too. People really aren't there to see the artist, right? Uh, right, I get so, it. So yeah, but it was, uh, but it was, a, it was a bit of a struggle not having, not having, not having any of our gear, including yeah. our piano or our keyboards, because oh we we travel our piano with us. Um, so there was a lot of a little bit of pro tools on that show. Jesus. That we say. <laughs> so speaking of gear, something that hasn't been created yet that you would love to see created. Um well the the thought to being able to think of something and have it have something that can interpret that into what I want stuff to do. That's cool. You know, I mean I don't know when that'll ever happen, but uh you know, who, who knows? was it? One designer, I can't remember who it was, but said I want light that bends you know well there you go uh, i mean these are all good ideas yeah i'm not not asking i'm not asking to change the laws of physics though (laughs) (laughs) yeah well maybe i am but uh (laughs) well no i guess what you know what you just said i think is going to happen like i i totally think you know i think just like anything else like you know elon musk talks about this implanting Mm -hmm. a chip in everyone's brain and um, I don't think he's that far off, to be honest. Like, literally, like he's actually mm-hmm. got a company. What's it called? Neuro. I wouldn't surprise me. Neurologic yeah. or neuro mm-hmm. something. I forget what the name of the company is. Neuro something. And, uh, but he, you know, is planning to basically implant chips in your head, making you smarter and making you more mm-hmm. capable. So you don't have to actually Google something. You can just think and the answer's there. Right, right. right. And so having that 
then translate into, you know, uh, like thinking cues. You sure. know, I, I can totally see that coming mm-hmm. in the not too distant future, like mm-hmm. within the next 10, 15 years. I sure. bet. So yeah. no, that's a good one. Um, what about who was or is the greatest influence in your lighting career? Joseph Svoboda. And who that? Joseph Svoboda was a lighting and scenic designer um, from Prague, or actually Bratislava, Czechoslovakia. And he actually started an institution called the Prague Institute of, or the Czechoslovakian Institute of Scenography. And I learned about him when I was in college. Uh, He was really the first one to start doing any kind of beam fixtures. There's actually some fixtures called Svoboda uh, fixtures. Um, And he really was the first one who would start to into, he integrated lighting and scenic and costume design uh, under the, under the uh, control of one person. And you can look up some of his stuff. It was amazing. He did a lot of opera uh, he did things like um, floors for opera productions that were louvered, so there was no bounce of light off the floor. Uh, mm-hmm. He was pretty amazing. He did a lot of very avant-garde um, lighting, much of which we're still, we we see now uh, in legitimate theater, which nobody saw then. Right. Uh, you can so just look him up. He's pretty pretty amazing. You learned of him through like. your studies and then just went and I think I read about him when I was in school and we actually had, when I was, when I was in school at a uh, UC Santa Barbara, the guy who was like number two in Czechoslovakia under him, um, Ladislav Vekadil came and was at at there for a semester and designed a couple of shows. Mm. And I was able to take a couple of classes from him, interesting, uh, which was amazing. Uh, But there's still, I mean, Czechoslovakia has been, has been known as, the home of a lot of the avant-garde uh, theatrical lighting and scenic design for many years. Interesting. Yeah, that's it was, cool. Uh, an answer. You acted, you expected me to say uh, Howard Underlighter or Peter Morris, right? Well, I expected you to maybe say, yeah, somebody like that, <laughs> you know, I, not, not to say I didn't learn a lot from working with, you know, people like Peter and Jeff. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly the way, the way that they uh, approach designing shows and the way that they break down, you know, music, uh, Jeff, especially and Peter, Peter, it's, it's very, very intuitive because he's a musician. Yeah. Um, Jeff is a lot more structured in terms of the way he breaks down songs. But Peter's start was funny. As I recall, Peter knew nothing about lighting and, and Mac just said, you know, Hey, I'm going to hire a, he was doing his production management, I think. Mm -hmm. And Mac said, I'm going to hire a lighting designer. And he goes, well, you don't need to do that. I can do that. Right, which he'd never done. And he said, have you done that before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, loads of times. And had no idea. I mean, you know about Peter Sword as a musician with the new Christy Minstrels, which is where he knew Kenny Rogers and Kim Carnes and all that piece. Yeah. Actually, I I did a bunch of Kim Carnes shows with Peter, too. Those were some of the most fun I ever had. Yeah. Only because Kim is such a sweetheart. If you get a chance, listen to his podcast on uh, on mm-hmm. Geese of Gear. I, yeah, I we, will. we had fun. He's uh, you know Peter's just one of my favorite people. Peter's Peter, lighting uh, people. Yeah, I yeah. love Peter. You know, yeah. just such a great guy. It was it was really fun. I hadn't seen him in in a years, and I saw him at LDI last year. Yeah, uh, and hung out with him where I saw you at the at the upstaging. Yeah, party. yeah, I remember um, that. And I hadn't hung out with Peter for for a long time, which was, it was really fun. Yeah, I miss that upstaging party. 
that's one of the big things that I missed from this year's LDI. I love uh, last year was last year was the first LDI I had gone to in 15 years. Probably. Oh, really? Well, oh, so that I, was I your a, first, up, a, that was your first upstaging party then. Yes. And it was, oh. you know, and I, I mean, I've known, I've known HUD for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but I always had a tour for years. I did the, the Brian Setzer Christmas tour, oh. uh, which was, you know, big band rockabilly Christmas songs, which was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and I'd always been busy during LDI doing that. Right. And then last year was the first time I was actually able to go. And I mean, it's, it's so easy, you know, from Los Angeles, you know, jump on a plane yeah. for 45 minutes and you're there. Yeah. Um, too easy. So it was, it was fun seeing, just, I mean, just seeing all the people that I don't get to see normally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in that party, really, I mean, you could see everybody in one room. Kind it, of, it, it, you it know? Was certainly, it was certainly who's who of the lighting industry. Yeah. There. You could fly in, go to that party and fly back home and you're good. Right. You know, unless uh-huh. you want to uh-huh. see some new gear. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, seeing gear is always great. You know, I, I can pretty much call a manufacturer and go yeah. see, you know, whatever gear I want. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, always, I've talked with lots of people about that. Like trade shows mm-hmm. for me, you know, I've always been on the selling end of the business. Sure, sure. And for me, they were always so important because it was mm-hmm. all timed on when you would release new products. Sure, sure. But then, you know, everything changed and it just came to where like anybody could see anything anytime. Sure. And sure. with the internet and YouTube videos and Zoom calls now and everything else, you know, and, and being in Los Angeles, there's always if yeah. there's a new if there's new gear out, you know, ACT will have it, or yeah. you know, or, or or PRG will get some in, or yeah. you know, or, or somebody will have some that I can go look at. Yeah, you can call up your favorite lighting company and say, "Hey, sure. I want to see the new Ayrton ABC light," mm-hmm. and it'll suddenly appear, and you go in for your demo yeah. day on it, and sure. you know run it through its, its you know, course. And certainly, and, you know, Elation has a big showroom here and yep. GLP is here and, yep. you know, and all that stuff. I can always go over and, you know, go look yeah, at all the new toys. Let's see what that all looks like when this, when this, yeah, exactly. call, when the clouds lift again. Cause uh, sadly I just, you know, I come from that industry. I've right, always been sure. in the moving light industry and I'm just afraid that, you know, if there's 20 manufacturers right now, mm-hmm. I think we're going to end up with six or seven. Well, you know? and anyone buying, buying new gear, especially when you're looking at, you know, at Verilite or Air Dinner, yeah. uh, you're talking about such a huge investment. Yeah. Uh, and who's going to, who's going to go out and, and buy, Nobody. Nobody. you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of new lights. Well, who can, you know, the, right, the thing exactly. is like PRG is not going to have CapEx for at least two or three right. years, right. nor is solo tech, nor is four wall. Right. None right. of these big companies are going to have CapEx to buy new fixtures. Right. So, sure. Sure. you know, if you go in there and say, I demand, I got to have the new Verilite VL 27,000 right. and the lighting company will, you know, tell you to take right. a walk, <laughs> you know, right. tell you what, you can have this fixture instead. And well, I mean, like, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm used to, I'm used to compromising in that respect. Cause right. I, most of the shows I do, the tours I do are not, are not large enough to where I can go in and demand. Right. You know, right. I mean, delicate's been really good for me about buying new gear and yeah. I, and I've tried to work with them and, and the gear that I use is something that is a, a good, a good addition to their rental inventory you know, of buying, you know, GLP X4s or buying, you know, Roby points or something right. that's going to work for them in terms of an inventory. Right. Right. Um, but I, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing stadiums and I'm not you two and I'm not, I can't go in and say, you know, I need 120 of these and you need to buy them. Yeah. Yeah. Yanni has to have the, you know, latest Verilite, whatever. Right. Right. And, and I'm so used to like, you know, changing my show from, 
yeah fixture to fixture as I go overseas. Well, you know, I just, if, if I'm lucky, it's something I have a profile for. I don't even know that that's going to be an option for the next two or three right. years. I like, agree. Yeah. You know, and in a sense, I think that's okay because I mm-hmm. think we got a little carried away. 2019 sure. was a very goofy year for people mm-hmm. in, in our sure. industry and for companies. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think we needed a bit of a cleansing, not this deep though. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, uh, it's cut below the, below the bone sure, at this point. Sure. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of sales guys looking for work. Yeah. Oh my God. It's terrible. I mean, and yeah. just like some of the biggest names in the industry, you know, yep. are, are looking for yep. work. It's crazy. Sure. So the last sure. thing I wanted to ask you is, do you get involved at all in like mentoring or, or coaching or any kind of charity or, or giving back to the industry? Cause it's one of the things that I've found, uh, you know, people in our industry really do love to get involved, especially at your level and with mm-hmm. your level of experience, you know, with some of the younger kids who are coming out with eyes this sure. big going, whoa, I'm going to go light a concert tour. Well, I, I, I have I have spent a little bit of time talking to uh, some school classes, mostly on the college level. That's great. Uh, both my alma mater, UC Santa Barbara, I did a couple of things years ago for uh, some of the classes Tom Rizika was teaching down at UC Irvine. Good. And I'll generally, if I, if I, if I know that there's people in one of the groups I'm in on Facebook or whatever that are, that are in a city I'm going to play and it's a, some kid who really wants to learn. So come on down. Yeah. You know, come down and watch. You can, if you want to come down and watch me, Mark, you know, with my head elect Mark points on the deck and stay hang out all day and watch how this thing goes together. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know, you want to stand by me with the console during a show. No problem. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, I, I, I love teaching stuff like that. Yeah. One designer, I can't remember who it was, but somebody told me that um, one of the things they've done for years is invited a student uh, mm-hmm. out to run a song. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'd let him do a song during uh-huh. the set, you know? Right. And, uh, it was such a big deal, you know, this oh, was sure. like life changing for these people, sure. you know? Uh, so I love that kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I wanted to, I wanted to compliment you on the, um, the course thing that you taught with Martin. Oh, the I th- webinar. Yeah. I thought it was freaking awesome. Like I, Thanks. I can't tell you, I sat and watched the entire thing because right, sure. I'm not that technical when it comes to right, some of that stuff. Right. But just the way you went through some of the challenges of mm-hmm. the, you know, changing plot or, or changing sure. gear, some of the things that we've talked about here today, too. Um, you know, you really, I think for a young designer, mm-hmm. you just gave them so much insight about what that's it great. is like to. Well, that's, you know, it was really, it was really not designed for a layperson. Yeah. Uh, I spent a lot of time outlining what I was going to say and then culling through pictures and drawings and, yeah. you know, a couple of little little stories in there. Um, it was excellent. I, I actually, uh, I'm going to remember to post a link. I'm going to post thanks. a link to that if that's okay with you. Sure. Sure. Uh, in our, uh, on, on this podcast so that people can go back and see that because I think it's valuable. I think it's it, great. It's funny, my, 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 my brother-in-law um, is the, at more uh, teaches theater at Moorpark college. He's basically their, the quote unquote theater technician. He deals with all the lighting and scenic elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, et cetera, and he teaches a couple of stagecraft classes and he watched the webinar and he said, I'm going to use this for my last class of the season. Fantastic. And, and he goes, and, and I'm going to tell the kids, he goes, a lot of them, I said, you're not going to understand some of the terminology, but just so you can see what somebody in this field goes through, you know, on a day-to-day basis. Um, yeah. But I got to tell one of my favorite stories and show one of my favorite pictures, which was uh, the dog at the pyramids. 
that there's a, there, uh, there's a couple of pictures in there. We were standing behind the stage and the Sphinx was behind us and the, the big pyramids about a kilometer behind the stage. And there was a large open courtyard between us and the Sphinx. And we were sitting there chatting and there's a lot of dogs and cats running around there just free. Yeah. And we watched a dog walk out and just walk around this open area for a while. And there was a coffee can sitting in the middle of this open space. And this dog walked around, sniffed around for a while, walked over to the coffee can and pooped into the coffee can. No way. And I have never seen anything else like that in my life. That is unreal. And there's actually on that, during that webinar, when I talked about the pyramids, there's a picture of that dog pooping into the coffee no can. No way. That uh, is it was hilarious. So awesome. That was one of, was one of my, fav- my favorite moments ever on the road. Man, if you could package that and teach dogs how to poop in coffee cans, I think mm-hmm. there's, I think there's money to be made there. But I mean, this dog had a purpose. He was, <laughs> he would, that's where he was going to poop. That is and hilarious. I don't know why. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Just really well trained. That's so cool. I guess so. You know, where there's some kind of, you know, the spirit of uh tut or so, who knows? <laughs> That's amazing. You know? What a cool story. I did. I did actually have time on that. A bunch of us went out and we, we actually went into the great pyramid and up the shaft to the burial chamber, uh, which is pretty amazing. I mean, not many people get to get to do all that. Wow. So what you got like some special access? Uh, well, we had, we had somebody who was a, who knew the area. There was, there's a tremendous amount of security going onto that site. I mean, there's, there's locals, there, there's local police, there's national military. There's a lot of guns. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause they're so concerned about terrorism, right? But there was somebody there who was a, a an off duty guide who just took us around the site. And then we said, we wanted to see if we could go up there and you normally have to buy tickets and make a reservation. And he said, give, you know, give this guy you know, X amount of whatever the local currency is. And he let us, he let us go in, uh, for a little, just for a few minutes. Oh, that's cool. But I mean, it's, it's, you're climbing up a pretty steep, steeply sloped shaft. That's very low, about five feet, five feet high. Yeah. Uh, to get up there. You know, it's funny. I don't remember hardly anything I learned in school, mm-hmm. <laughs> like in grade school, <laughs> but I remember the classes about learning how they built those pyramids because it's just mm-hmm. so mind blowing that without mm-hmm. tools, without cranes, right, right, without, right. And, you know, sometimes like some of these, the pyramids and buildings and stuff that were from back a long time ago, sometimes those were carried through generations where not only do you have to, you know, get yourself up every morning to do that, but you've now Mm got to, you know, pass that on to your children and say, okay, now you need to carry these stones Mm -hmm. and build this pyramid, right? And there's, there's been a lot of discussion lately about, about how those, how they were actually built and who actually built them. Right. Uh, You know, the old, the old story of all the the Jews who were, you know, slaves with the Pharaoh building them is pretty much debunked at this point. Right. Um, So, yeah. Well, that's cool. I'd I'd like to think maybe that's where some of my prowess at at doing home construction comes from. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe your ancestors built pyramids. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. Well, bud, thank you so much for taking taking some time with me today. I I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Marceau. It's a very, very enjoyable hour and a half. Likewise. Yeah. No, I love love learning about some of the stuff you've done. And you've always been a a designer I've been very intrigued with. And I like you as a person and stuff. So I appreciate you doing it. And you bet. I wish you all the very best and I hope you get back to work soon. Me too. And I will uh, probably see you tomorrow. Absolutely. Thanks so much, bud. My pleasure. Take care of myself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Sweet, sweet 